Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Well, last week we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 11 through 18, and today we're going to look at verses 19 through 21. And as I said last week and said many times before, this book or this letter actually gives us a very intimate look at Paul. It is instructive, but that's not the emphasis. Paul leads more here by example because he reveals his heart to us. He gives us a very clear view of his heart. Now, one of the things that most of us struggle with, and many of us here have been Christians a long time, one of the things that probably typified the Christian life for us was this constant struggle to become or to create the Christian image, to try to live up to the Christian image. And it seemed that, you know, the pastor's job was to cast the image up front, and that was ever-changing, depending upon what week it was. And the emphasis was ever-varying. But we are always wanting to be what God wants us to be. And that was the struggle. One of the things that, that we hear is that we want God's help to establish a character that is worthy of him, right? Let God guide you into living out a character that is worthy of him. How many of you have tried that? Well, if you are as successful as I was in that, you weren't successful at all. One of the things that we learn in the Christian life is that there is no way for us to come up to par in character. So what happens is we, we, we look at people like Paul and we say, man, that's inspirational. I wish I could be as faithful as Paul. I wish I could love like Paul loved. I wish I could endure like Paul endured. I wish I could do the things that Paul did. I could undergo the things that Paul underwent with such grace and such ability to, to keep his focus on the Lord. And we say, you know, that, that's, that is a unique character, and I would love to be able to implement that character in my life. But guess what? That was the character of Christ. That was Jesus. What you're going to see in what we saw last week over and over again was not the work of Paul. All the assertions of love, all the desire for these Corinthians didn't come out of the, the flesh of Paul. They came out of who Paul was created to be. They came out of the new creation. And the new creation has a heart, a heart that is completely and perfectly aligned with the Father. So living out of the Christian life is the living out of the character of Christ. The expression, the manifestation of the character of Christ. Now what you're going to see here in this little section that we're going to look at is Paul is taking an almost parental attitude towards the Corinthians. He owns them as his children, his spiritual children. So you're going to see him 
treating them like a father would, a loving father would treat his children. And we'll, I'll be using that illustration many times. As I said, when you get past the distraction of externals with Paul, you see the heart of the new creation. A heart created for the expression of truth. A heart made for obedience. A heart that longs to express the truth of its creator. A heart that contains and functions in and from the love of Christ. In chapter 12, Paul is finishing up his defense against the accusations of the false apostles. And in this defense, he reveals his heart for the Corinthians. So in verse 14, we looked at this. Paul makes it clear. He says to them, I do not want what is yours, not your money or your possessions, but you. Now, there's a distinction there. The difference between what they possessed and who they were. He says, I want you. Now that, that's the father's heart. In verse 15, Paul writes, I will gladly spend my resources and be utterly spent for your soul. So you see a little trend there. He says, I want you, not your possessions. And in fact, I will give you all that I have in order to save your soul. Now, that's not in the traditional Baptist phrase of saving them unto, unto eternity. Saving the soul means to literally allow the mind, will, and emotions to come into truth, to be yielded to the Spirit of God, to be filled, to walk in the truth, to live out the truth. That's us being saved in the soul. He says, I would spend it all for your soul. Paul would empty himself, literally, give all that he had, expend it all, body and possessions, in return for what? So that they could possess in their souls all that had been given them in Christ. Now, I want you to to remember, I'm going to keep saying this, it's going to be a bit redundant, but I want this to really sink in. That's the Father's heart. Paul is articulating the Father's heart for you. He is not saying, look, Todd, I want you to get your soul ready so that I can fill it. I want you to to make sure that the bed's made, that the furniture's dusted, that everything's taken care of so I can fill my soul. I I can move in there and it not be cluttered. That's what I want you to do, Todd. When you get it ready, when it's just right, then I'll move in for you, into your soul. That is hogwash. Because the Spirit of God is ever ready to flood the soul, the mind, will, and emotion with truth. Now the key to experiencing that reality is that little word, faith. Faith. And it's going to require that you set aside the things that challenge the truth in you and say, that is not who I am. That is not what I want. That is not a reflection of my desires. These things have been imposed upon me by the world and by the enemy, but they are not who I am. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Quite a bit more, actually. He says he'd give it all. He also declares in this same verse, he says, This is my heart for you. I will love you whether you love me or not. Now that's my God. I can, I can attest to the truth of that one. 
I will love you. Now, Paul knows, Paul would know better than, than we do, that these Corinthians are saved. They've already been given a heart of love, and that love is already interchanging affection between itself and the Father. This is the communion that goes on even now. He knows that. But what he is saying to them is if even if you reject the truth of who you are, even if you decide based on what you believe about your flesh and my flesh that you don't love me, I'm still going to love you. And he's not saying I'm going to try to love you. He's not saying I'm going to work on it. He's not saying that God is going to give me a love for you. I'm praying every day that God will give me a love. You know what? If you're praying that kind of prayer, you're praying in unbelief. Because the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart, and His name is Jesus. You have all the love you need for the worst enemy you can think of. Don't wait for a reality in your emotions, because that's not faith. It might be blood sugar, but it's not faith. So he says, no matter what you say or do, no matter how you act... I will love you. That is selfless love. Selfless. And only the Spirit of God can create that in man. It's a miraculous work to take us from selfishness to selflessness. You know what that move is? It's a move from seeing myself in the flesh to knowing myself in the Spirit. Seeing myself in the flesh I live in selfishness. I must protect myself. I must gather into myself all that I can. Knowing myself in the Spirit, I know that I have all that I need. And nothing in this life takes anything from me. And I'm not threatened by anyone. I don't need to be protective. I don't need help to bring me into the truth. The truth is within me. I walk and live and breathe from His nurture. Some would say that point of view is insane. Paul had some kind of fanatical obsession with this whole thing. And some actually did. And Paul responded in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. He says, If we are out of our minds, just unstable fanatics, as some critics say, it is for God. If we are in a right mind, it is for your benefit. For the love of Christ controls and compels us because we have concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that all those who live would no longer live for themselves. Did you catch that? So that we would no longer live for ourselves. Some people, myself included, have often got a very distorted view of what Christianity brought to us. But for him, that's who we live for, who died and was raised for their sake. So he says, if I'm in my right mind, then my mind is in agreement with God concerning all things and all men. If I'm not, I'm out of my mind in the flesh. Now, why does he say that? Why does he draw that parallel because he knows that the new creation actually has the mind of Christ and the mind of Christ doesn't doesn't function off the thoughts of the flesh the mind of Christ receives the wisdom of God there's a difference because 
When we operate out of the flesh, then all we've got is man's thoughts concerning things, man's perception concerning things, man's ideas concerning things. And how good is that? God operates off of the truth. He operates out of himself. He sees things as they are, and he is the I am. So it is ever current, ever present, and his wisdom cannot be questioned and should never be balanced with the, uh, with the idea that man's intellect somehow runs alongside of it. No, the two are completely different. Paul says, if I have the mind of Christ, I'm in my right mind. I am receiving wisdom. And this wisdom, this wisdom has yielded for the love of Christ controls and compels us. For we have concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. In Paul, we see a life that defies reason. We see a selfless life that is compelled by the unconditional love of Christ. A love that embraced the cross for his enemy's sake, that we might become the children of God who share his heart. That we might be free of the chains of selfishness and be selfless. Now listen. He says he was compelled by the love of Christ. It was the love of Christ that compels him. Now, what he's saying there, don't get this view of this topical application of Christ's love. Father, send me your love that I may be compelled to love others. That's not what he's saying. He is saying, the love of Christ, which is my life, which is at the center of my being, because of the dynamic of the way I was made, I love. Out of who I am, I love. I am compelled to love as a bird is compelled to fly. I am compelled to love as a fish is compelled to swim. Because his life in me compels me, and it is my life. The love of Christ compels him. Now let's look at our text beginning with verse 19. Verse 19, he wrote, All this time, speaking to the Corinthians, All this time you've been thinking that we are merely defending ourselves to you. It is in the sight of God that we have been speaking as one in Christ. And everything, dearly beloved, is to strengthen you spiritually. Now, in their arrogance, the Corinthians might have presumed that Paul was defending his reputation for the same reason they would. Self-protection is a normal response of the carnal. But Paul wants him to understand that his defense was not coming from or for the flesh, but from Christ. And I love the picture because he just basically steps out of the middle. Here are the Corinthians, or the accusers, pointing at his flesh, pointing at his, his external being, making all kinds of accusation. And Jesus steps forward, and he speaks in Paul. And notice where the, Paul is in this. He is in the presence of the Lord in his speaking. It reminded me of the life of Christ. And, and it, in John, Christ prays these words. He says to the Father, he says, For the words which you gave me, I have given them, talking of the apostles, and they received and and accepted them and truly understood with confident assurance that I came from you, from your presence. And they believed 
without any doubt that you sent me. And what's going on there is Jesus is thanking the Father for giving him the words that revealed that he came from the Father. Jesus wasn't acting in his own defense, so to speak. Jesus wasn't addressing through his own wisdom and logic the unbelief of these apostles. He literally let the Father bring forth the words that would provoke them to faith. So Jesus says, these are not my words that brought them forth. He gives the glory to God. This is what Paul's doing. This is not my defense. This is what the Father brought forth in me. Then in Mark chapter 13, verse 11, Jesus is speaking to them again. He says, when they take you and turn you over to the court, do not worry beforehand about what to say, but say whatever is given you by God in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit who will speak through you. Oh, how often I have claimed that. You know, do you really ever know what to say? I mean, are your words really ever appropriate apart from him? I mean, I don't sit around and worry about my every word. If I did, I probably wouldn't say a lot. But, you know, the reality of it is that he guides my words. He guides my speech. And where the truth is warranted, where wisdom is needed, he is ever ready. All I got to do is be quiet. Man, that's huge for a preacher. I don't know about day to day, but it's huge. Paul declares that his defense came from Christ and was given for a specific purpose. You remember what the purpose was? To strengthen. Or your translation may say for your upbuilding. The purpose of God in the defense of Paul's ministry to the Corinthians was in order to strengthen them. How is that? How does that work? Well, so that they may know that Paul was bringing them the word of God, that they may readily take in the nurture of Christ. If they rejected Paul, they would be rejecting the discipling of Christ. This is the Father's heart for them, that they receive his word. That they receive what was good for them. Just like any good parent would be for their children. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 8. He repeats this over again. He says, For even though I boast rather freely about the authority the Lord gave us for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed of the truth. Listen, the authority is not Paul walking around with a badge. It says, I'm from God. The authority is literally the work of God through Paul. Because it wouldn't have been possible otherwise. Listen, I may wear the title of pastor, but I cannot possibly pastor you. That is a work of the Father. He is the shepherd. I'm just a messenger. Paul is saying, this authority... These words that are touching you, these words that are affecting your life, 
These words that when received with faith have literally changed who you are. They did not come from my eloquence. They do not come from my study. They do not come from my understanding. They come from God Himself. It is His authority. It is His Word. And all I am doing is repeating it for you as a yielded vessel. And these words are not to destroy you. They're to build you up. Then again, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 10, he says, For this reason I am writing these things while absent from you, so that when I come, I will not need to deal severely with you. In my use of the authority which God has given me to be used for building you up. What is God's objective? To build them up. To strengthen them. See, God had a plan. Paul's defense was selfless. It was for the strengthening of these believers. And like children who become angry and sullen with the instruction of a loving parent, the Corinthians had misinterpreted Paul's heart. The father's heart for his children is for them to grow and mature in truth, that they may live in the fullness of of his blessing, that they may live free of the chains of fear and sinful appetites, that they may live to their created purpose. A child that stops eating begins to grow weak and vulnerable to sickness and disease. They forget what it is to run in the sunshine. They forget what it is to laugh. They do not enjoy their childhood. A child that will not accept the nurture of their parents will never mature. Oh, wait a minute, Pastor. Are you saying that I have to do something? Yes, I do. I say, you do have to do something. You have to receive the nurture of the Lord. And you know what, guys? That requires that you embrace all that He has put before you. He's given you His Word. He's given you His Spirit. He's given you this body. He's given you many things in order for you to receive His nurture. And you are not to walk through it like a cafeteria, picking and choosing what you want. You are literally to be absolutely open to receive all that God has for you. The maturing of the saint is simply a saint that is yielded to receive. And to grow, just like a child does. A child grows when he gets fed and rests and moves forward in the progression of his age. We've got a lot of Christians that are just absolutely stagnant. They don't have an appetite for the things of God or the people of God. And if they do, it's varied and it's turbulent. Ephesians 4 Verses 11 through 13 says, And his gifts to the church were varied, and he himself appointed some as apostles, special messengers, representatives, some as prophets who speak a new message from God to the people, some as evangelists who spread the good news of salvation, and some as pastors and teachers to shepherd and guide and instruct. And he did this. Why did he do all that? What's that about? To fully equip And perfect the saints. Now wait a minute. These people, these people that he placed around us to to be a part of his perfecting work are not us. They're outside of us. There's something they have to literally, we have to receive from them. The perfect 
to fully equip and perfect the saints, God's people, for works of service, to build up the body of Christ, the church, until we all reach oneness in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, growing spiritually to become a mature believer, reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ, manifesting his spiritual completeness, and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity. That is the work of maturity. That is what he is seeking to accomplish in you. That is what he's seeking to grow in you. That you begin to live out. Now, he didn't, he's not creating all of that in you. That's already in you. But what he is doing is he's exposing you to the truth of it. Every child has the capacity to become an adult. But they must mature to get there. This is the reality for the Christian He's given us everything concerning godliness. But how he brings us into the truth of it varies from person to person. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.